0: everyone and welcome to Riverside Online. Some of you are meeting in your life groups and we trust that you are enjoying your time together. October is on its way and we are going to be celebrating our 10th birthday. We are planning some exciting ways to celebrate so keep your eye out for more information to follow. We are in our toolbox for tough times series so let's listen to the next message. to start out with this opening question. Who of you during the time of this pandemic have found it easy and great to feel connected to church, to feel engaged, to feel like you're still part of this thing known as church? Anyone out there? Because maybe most of you would say it has felt extremely difficult I know during the course of the series, we have spoken a lot about the many challenges that have come our way because of this pandemic, which is why we are doing this series called A Toolbox for Tough Times. But one of the things we have yet to speak about in detail is just how challenging it has been to be engaged as the church. If I think back to the first time this affected us as a church, the coronavirus was spreading and immediately companies and churches started to realize we need to change some of our practices. So we had that one Sunday when as you arrived, you got sprayed down, you got sanitized. We were discouraging handshakes and hugs. And and I remember not everyone kind of bought into that because the pandemic had yet to come and affect us personally yet. Um, I know the worship team, I mean we were washing our hands every time we touched something, sanitizing microphones and guitars and speakers and we had to have takeaway coffee cups and yet we still had an incredible time together as a church, an incredibly engaged time of worship and word and then we were told we're not allowed to do that anymore, now we've got to meet in homes of no more than 10. So all of a sudden we're scrambling as leadership what we're going to do and so it's out with the cell phones and it's out with uh, learning new video editing skills just scrambling to get something online by that Sunday and many of you met around the south of Joburg in your homes and the feedback was that was a special and a meaningful and a good time. But then the hard lockdown hit us. And suddenly, everything that was familiar about church, all right, even for those who were less engaged, everything we loved and liked about gathering, about meeting, about the energy in the room and the worship and just seeing those friendly faces, all of that was suddenly reduced to a screen, right? A two dimensional screen. Now for us as leaders... this has been a quite a tricky process to navigate and a difficult process to navigate if I can be a bit vulnerable with you I mean on a Sunday yes we love the worship and we love being together but it also means that when I'm speaking and when we're preaching and when we're worshiping we can read the room and we can get the visual and the non-visual feedback and even though we're not really the kind of church that is shouting amen and preach it brother and part of me kind of wishes we had a bit more of That going on? We can still see what God is doing in you. Now, this is what I see: a cell phone. Right now, I am preaching to a cell phone, and so uh, Craig and I, as we preach, we've got to imagine what it's like to be on a stage with 300 people out there, and we've got to try and develop this energy because that's what is required to do something like this. But it is so weird. Now, again, like on a normal Sunday, we can see who's engaged. Now we've got to go on to YouTube clicks, and, and even that's maybe not the best metric to try and determine who is and who isn't engaged. Um, there have been some incredible opportunities, though, that have come our way. Uh, our, our leadership team have worked so hard, and our kids' ministry team. If you don't have kids, and if you haven't gone onto the kids' ministry page, do yourself a favor and go and see what they put out every single week. It has been amazing. And so one of the things that I've needed to do is learn some of the dance moves from some of the kids' ministry songs. And we've had some great fun as a family doing that. We've also had some great conversations as a family as the kids' ministry messages have been aligned with some of our messages. And so we've had some great time together. But at the end of the day, this time hasn't been easy. What we've also seen as this pandemic has gone on and on and on, is that whatever engagement we could determine, either through views or just through conversations, the engagement has gone down for so many reasons. I read an article the other day, again, some more American stats, but only one third of committed Christians at this stage of the pandemic were still actively engaged in their local church, even if it was only online. So that means two-thirds of Christians were less engaged with their churches. Now, part of that admittedly is because doing church online on a Sunday means you can click on any church you want. If you're tired of me, you can click on the best preachers and the best worship and the best kind of product, church product out there. And you can be entertained on a Sunday morning by whoever you want. All right. And so some people were doing that. But for the most part, people were just getting worn down and were becoming less and less engaged as the church and less and less connected to the church. Is this because they were lazy or not committed? And and maybe in some cases, yes. But for the most part, we are being worn down and we are becoming isolated and it is becoming even more challenging for us to be The church and to be engaged as the church. And so today's message, the tool for tough times, is how, in the middle of this difficult, challenging time, how do we continue to be the church? Be engaged and connected as the church. I've been reading through the book of Philippians with a friend of mine, and as I've been reading and as I've been dwelling about what we're going to be preaching about and some of the challenges coming our way, I just saw a number of verses start popping out to me. So I want to share a number of thoughts with you this morning, but most of the thoughts are actually going to come from the book of Philippians. And so to start us off, here's the first thought for us. This first thought for us is this, we need to fight for this. We need to fight for this. Fight for what Stephen? Well we're going to define that as we go along but the emphasis for this first point is we need to fight and by that I don't mean getting aggressive. I don't mean us getting all militant about this. What I do mean is we need to persevere. We need to prioritize the things of God and even though it is hard we need to fight for this. I want to read Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 onwards. Some familiar verses to some of you. But listen to what Paul says. Philippians 3, verse 12. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Every time I read this passage, I'm so aware of the verbs and the strength of the verbs that Paul uses. Listen here, he says, I press on. On. I, I forget what's behind me and I strain towards what's ahead. Again, I press on. I, I want to win this prize. So the picture that is developing here is the, is the picture of an athlete in a race. Now I know on a Saturday morning, and I know it because uh, Red Flay is around the corner from us and we see the cars lining up, but so many of you loved the 5K park run on a Saturday morning. And for some of you, the main reason was maybe a little bit of exercise, but it's a social, an opportunity to meet friends, walk the dog, and if your goal for any race for that matter is simply to rock up and get some form of participation acknowledgement, then you can do what you want. You can rock up in a business suit. you can rock up in clown shoes, you can rock rock up with a huge bag of snacks to make your day a bit easier. But I know that for some of you, that wasn't the goal. For some of you, the goal was to compete. Now maybe it was to compete with your own personal best, or to improve your own levels of fitness, and for some of you, the goal wasn't just to compete, the goal was to win. So, when you're running the park run and your goal is to compete and to win, then you're going to be shedding things that get in the way. No clown shoes, no business suits. You're going to be wearing just the lightest shoes possible. You're going to be saying no to Donuts and KFC and Coca Cola during the week because you are sacrificing, because you're prioritizing the competition and the win. For Paul, when it comes to the kingdom of God, and when it comes to putting the things of God first, for him, his attitude was, I'm running to win. Now, for some of us, and even acknowledging the difficulty and the challenge of some of these times, because this sermon could equally have been true six months ago or 18 months ago, but for some of us, Our attitude honestly towards the thing of things of God is like the person who rocks up to a park run once a week and does everything just to make their time as comfortable and as easy as possible. And so we kind of just we we participate at the lowest common level when it comes to being engaged with the church. But for Paul, he's he's in prison. He's thinking about these churches. He's encouraging these churches. He's trying to spur them on. He's trying to say, listen, look how I'm doing this. And uh, I'm hoping that that encourages you and that spurs you on to put the things of God first in your life in the same way that I am. So Paul's in prison and he's thinking about all these churches and he writes to all these churches which, in itself, is so important that when he's thinking about the church at Ephesus, the book of Ephesians, he writes things that is relevant that are relevant to them, and now when he's writing to the church at Philippi, he knows their context, he's had some feedback about where they're at, and he writes something different for them and and why do I bring this up? I alluded to it earlier that If we're going to do church at home online on a Sunday morning and you've got any access to the internet, you can access the best preaching, the funniest preachers, the most theologically robust preachers, the most good looking preachers or worship team or kind of Sunday bouquet that you can, that you want on a Sunday. You can access it, right? Now, if you're doing that, that's cool. Uh, If if they're good and they're healthy and, and, and you're being fed by other pastors and preachers and worship ministries, go for it. But don't let it replace what God is saying to our church. Here's what we are convinced as a leadership here at Riverside. We are convinced every Sunday, but even more so during this pandemic, that Jesus is still head of his church and this church. And Jesus is still speaking to us. He's not only speaking to a church in the United States, and He's maybe got something very special to say to that community in the United States, or in Australia, or in the UK. But equally, God has something to say to us. And even if... Even if, and thankfully we're not in the situation, but even if the best that we could do with our context and our resources was put out a five-minute voice note on a Sunday morning to this church, I would still encourage you to prioritize that over the best preachers in the world. Why? Because God is speaking to us. God is wanting to strengthen and encourage and build this church and therefore we need to prioritize that and be part of what God is saying. But I know it is hard and just like Paul is in prison and maybe you feel like your home has felt like a prison for the last five, six months. So we need to learn how to press on and to look forward and to fight for and to strive for the things of church even when they are not convenient, even when things are extremely challenging. Which leads me to our second point, and our second point is this, if we are to put being the church and being engaged as church first, number two, we need to fight for community. We need to fight for community. Now I know that some of you out there, you're extroverts. And so you went from having people around every weekend at your home and you went from being around your colleagues and having a good time with them and uh, your family and your church and your life group and, and you stay late on the Sunday so that you can engage with as many people as possible. You went from that either to simply your screen or to seeing the same people in your family every day for months on end and that's just killing you even if you've got the best family in the world some of you are introverts and I- i'm a bit more wide this way but for some of you social isolation was like a gift from heaven you're like i don't have to say no to invitations i get to spend as much time alone as i choose to and so for some of you this has been the best time maybe at least at the beginning So whether this has been challenging for you or difficult for you, we need to fight for biblical community. As extroverts, as introverts, we need each other and we need to fight for this. Do you know that loneliness is probably the only negative human experience that at its origins doesn't come from sin? Maybe now it does, but at its origins, it doesn't come from sin. In fact, it comes out of the fact that you and I are created in the image of God. Stephen, where do you get that from? Well, when God created Adam, He put him into this earth. He gave him a mission. And there was Adam going about the mission of the kingdom. He was hanging out Tarzan style with all of his new friends, all of these awesome animals. And yet God steps into the situation and He says, Do you know what? It is not good for man to be alone. This was before sin. This was before the, the need for psychiatry and psychology. This was before relationships started breaking down. This is as a result of being made in the image of God. God who is a community of love. If we're going to express that we need to express ourselves as a community of love. And so loneliness is an expression of how we have been made in the image of God. And Maybe you have experienced that during the time of this pandemic. Maybe you've had, like Adam, your animals around you, and your laptop and your screen, and yet you've still experienced the bitter pain of loneliness. So some of you at this stage say, well, Stephen, you know, it's been okay, but at least I've had my social media. I mean, it's called social media after all, isn't it? And I've got thousands of friends on Facebook and thousands of followers on Instagram. And I know Craig kind of brought this up last week, but I'm going to put a question back to you. As far as building vital relationships goes, and connection with other human beings, how's your social media been doing that for you? Right? Has it been that point of life and connection and relationship that you're needing? Or maybe it's been a place of strife, a place that has disheartened you, a place of debates and venting. I know for me, if I analyze just anecdotally my engagements with social media, I'd say less than 5%, maybe 2-3% of my time is actively engaging relationships. The rest of it is taken up with just consuming material or reading stupid debates. And so we need to fight for real community. Listen to what Paul says to the church. He says, Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. He says this in chapter 2, verses 4. This is one of the reasons that we as a church have been doing faith points. Just a simple step whereby you can connect vertically with God, which encourages a horizontal connection with another human being. And as things have been difficult and increasingly difficult over the length of this time of isolation, I know that we've needed to spend energy on keeping our heads above the water, on our own interests. But something we've noticed, the longer this has gone on, and understandably so, and the longer that we've been challenged and inundated by just so many difficulties, We've noticed just how increasingly people are becoming isolated and fragmented and withdrawn. And so I want you to take encouragement from this verse. One of the best things that you can do for your heart and your soul and your mind is to increase your engagements with others. I was reading an article the other day about some of the scientific benefits that comes from serving and loving others. Listen to this. It helps you live longer. It helps you manage stress better. It reduces rates of depression. It can even make you happier as serving gives you kind of the good, happy chemicals in your brain. Serving others helps you with chronic pain and lowers your blood pressure. You need Others and whether you know it or feel it or not, you need others, but they also need you, others need you. Paul says in Philippians 4 verses 14, he says, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. It was good of you to share in my troubles. And so here's a challenge for you. Who do you know that is experiencing loneliness? Or who do you know that is going through some deep waters? I guarantee you. Whether it comes comes from our community as a church or people in your neighborhood or people you know. I know that you know people who are lonely and who are challenging and they need you. Maybe you don't have the right answers. Maybe you don't have the resources to fix their problem. But you do have the gift of your presence and your prayers. Maybe you're listening to this and you're saying, Stephen, that sounds so great, but no one's been a friend to me. No one has been a friend to me. And and even in a church our size, kind of like a small, medium-sized church, one of the sad truths of human community, even in churches, is that people can still be incredibly disconnected and can sometimes even fall through the cracks. And so I've got a difficult challenge for you if you're feeling like you're one of those. Maybe no one's been a friend to you, but who can you be a friend to? I guarantee you... That as you pray about who you can reach out to, who you can love, who you can serve, you will make a friend and you will be blessed by that. A third thought for you that comes out of the book of Philippians is that we need to fight for unity. We need to fight for unity. Paul writes in Philippians 1.27, he says, Whatever happens conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. See, Paul is not physically with his churches Paul is not there to encourage them in the flesh but he's saying but here's what I want for you I want to see unity around the gospel and the cause of the kingdom of God and I can identify with that I mean I haven't physically seen you for over six months some of you Right, And yet as we've been so fragmented and as I've been concerned about so many things and as I've missed seeing you and seeing your faces and worshipping together and fellowshipping together, one of the priority things on my heart has been our unity as a church. And if ever there has been a time where our unity is going to be difficult, it is now. Not only because we're stuck in our homes and in our prisons, right? And it's hard to gather together like we used to. But there is no shortage of things that are dividing us. At the moment, even within the church of God. And so we're arguing about whether we're going to mask or not mask. We're arguing about whether there's a global conspiracy behind this coronavirus or not. We're arguing about Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter. We're arguing about racial and historic injustices versus farmers lives and the list goes on and on and on and maybe you're feeling hot and bothered right now because i've touched on a nerve and i've touched on something that you're passionate about and it's okay to be passionate about some of these things only if you agree with me no no i'm kidding on that one but in my experience in ministry i have never seen even the church so divided than these times over these issues as Christians, what this verse is encouraging us to do is we need to place our unity for the gospel above our politics and our preferences and the things we are passionate about. Now, what that doesn't necessarily mean is becoming less passionate about cultural issues. Maybe maybe it will mean, then we'll get to that in a second, But what it most certainly does mean is becoming more passionate about the gospel, elevating the primacy of the gospel above all other cultural issues. I mean, as an example, we've just been going through the Sermon on the Mounts. And one of the big challenges from the Sermon on the Mounts was that we need to love our enemies. And for some of us today, that means learning to love and to serve people who have different passions to us and different political affiliations to us. And for some of us, this means learning to love and serve fellow church members who think differently to us. Something else we absolutely need to learn to do if we're going to put the gospel above all things is we need to learn to think about cultural issues through the lens of the gospel. As we put the gospel first, we are going to see other issues through that lens. See, here's what we're prone to do. We're prone to shape our view of the gospel through our views of politics and preferences and things we're passionate about. When what we need to learn to do is we need to learn to shape our views of politics and our preferences and the things we're passionate about through the lens of the gospel. And this is something we need to fight for. The urgency of the gospel depends on this. So as we start wrapping up, I, I, I want to say to you, please don't believe the lie that just because we aren't gathering in a large group on Sunday that we are somehow not the church. The truth is we are still gathering we are gathering in ones and twos and threes and fives and tens and we are united by the spirits of christ and last i checked he is still alive and well and active in this world his kingdom is still coming and we get to be active participants in that so don't believe that lie but also don't believe the lie that church is something you consume on a sunday or every second or every third Sunday. Church is something we are. I believe we have an incredible opportunity, especially in these troubled times, to show the world that Jesus is alive, that He cares for us, that He is still saving and transforming lives. There's so much opportunity for us to do good and to be good and to display Christ to the world through our unity as a church. Imagine we did that. Imagine we did prioritize and strive for the things of God in this world. Imagine we fought for the things Jesus fought for. And one of those things is His church, His bride, His body. Imagine we fought hard for community, even if community is the last thing you feel like right now. Imagine you reached out to someone who was hurting, someone who was lonely, someone who needed you, and then you discovered that you needed them just as much. Imagine we all took every opportunity to be the body of Christ. Imagine we fought for unity. Imagine we started prioritizing the gospel above all other preferences. Guys, I've got no doubt that even in our time of isolation, we can still continue to make such a difference in this world as the body of Christ, as the church of God. So I want to pray. I want to invite you to pray with me. So, Father, I I do thank you that you have your church on your heart. Father, that your kingdom is still alive and active, that your son, your spirit is still with us, uniting us, that you're still drawing us into a picture far bigger than our current circumstances. Father, I do think of those who are experiencing the bitter pain of isolation and loneliness. And I do ask that on one hand that you would comfort them and strengthen them in such mighty powerful ways even right now as we're praying. But also pray that we as a church might continue to grow as a community. That as we prioritize what you prioritize Jesus, as we put your kingdom first and as we strive and strain for what is ahead. Father that we fight for community. We fight for one another. We fight for faith. We do this with great love and truth, but great passion as well. I pray for our unity, that you would increasingly grow in our hearts such a passion for the gospel. That all these other things that are so divisive, and even though we may have strong uh, convictions when it comes to these things, they are secondary compared to the gospel, and that we find our unity around you and your gospel. Father God, I pray these things in your mighty name. Amen. And there it is, guys, another great challenging sermon for the week. Hope to see you next week.